check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers, your new home for St. John's basketball. I'm Vincent, along with Craig, Tim, and Nick. Guys, how was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. Friday, I spent it. Uh, Friday night, I spent with two of you fine gents here. Um, we had a great time. And on Saturday, I went to a kid's birthday party. Wait, wait, wait. So I wasn't invited. Whoa, Nick, you weren't supposed to say anything. Be cool, man. Be cool. My bad. <laughs> well. Let's see. Uh, I took care of my two-year-old. That was fun. Yeah. No, What'd fr- you guys do? Friday wasn't that great. I mean, it, eh, it was. Not to not to you know spike on you or anything, but it was pretty good. It's all right, Tim. You had a good time at my ten-year-old dog's birthday party on Saturday. Yeah. My child was only afraid for two-thirds of the night. <laughs> <laughs> my only one really of the two dogs. So you know, it wasn't her. It wasn't his birthday. The one she was afraid of. Yeah, he was too fancy. That's why. Yeah, he is a little fancy. But I got to be honest, you dedicated more time to her party than either of my brothers, so shout out to you for that. I was there. I had to work. What do you want from me? Whatever. Trust me, I didn't, you know. You just hate dogs. Well, He's super allergic. So I'm super sense. allergic. I mean, I'm telling you. I, just, did, I like, did my part. I came. I was just, there. Just Unlike, like, wait, there was someone at this table, though, that wasn't there, if I remember correctly. All right, to be fair, I had two birthday parties to also go to. And when I got home, I was about to go pick up Melissa. My girlfriend, for you people who don't know. And that's when my parents got home. And that's when Vincent texted me saying that the party was already over. You snooze, you lose. Yeah, I mean, it's a 10-year-old dog's birthday party. We're not keeping her going all night. I mean, the dog's 70. Yeah, geez. She's got to get old She fell asleep halfway through the party. Do you not respect your elders? (laughs) Well, we had to end the party at 6 because St. John's FDU, baby. Nothing else we could have done that night. Tootie, shout out for your birthday, but we ain't missing the St. John's game, so turn that on and shut the party down. Priorities. It was pretty funny. It was the first time I've ever seen a uh, a party with this group of people that had an end time. And I looked at it and went, oh, I know. That's <laughs> it. Usually we're going all night, but when St. John's is on, we, we clear the schedule. Okay, obviously disappointing loss last week, Wednesday at Indiana. We'll get into that game in a minute. Obviously, a win on Saturday against FDU, uh, and and we'll look ahead to some later games. So, guys, obviously not the outcome we wanted from Bloomington. What are your major takeaways from the Indiana game before we go more in depth in breaking it down? Before we start talking, I need this. <laughs> Here we go. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Hey. Sorry, Tim was drinking. We let him have his first sip. You okay, know? you can you can talk while Tim's drinking. No, we can't. We need to respect the drink. You gotta respect the drink. All right. So, what's your biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway was that the refs decided to leave a JV game where they're refing and go straight to the NCAA because they obviously have no clue what they're doing. Craig, I'm gonna say that uh, my biggest takeaway, and unfortunately, this is becoming a theme. It seems the first few weeks is turnovers. We've been turning the ball over a lot. And against smaller teams, we've seen it play out, and we've been okay because we're better than them. Um, but it definitely had a big factor in the Indiana game, so we can talk about that more later. Nick? I would say that my takeaway is that even though we were down by 12 at halftime, uh, we, we didn't give up, and we kept fighting back even after Mathis got that ridiculous flavoring two call and got ejected. 
But through all that adversity, they, they didn't ever give up. And although we didn't win the game, that we looked very good in the second half. All right, so my biggest takeaway is that our team looked rattled in a crazy environment on the road for the first time. We had six turnovers in the first eight minutes. We were two of nine from three in the first eight minutes. We were shooting 24%. This is a team that had their first real competition in their first real road environment. And for the first eight minutes, they looked completely overpowered. That's true. It's the first time a lot of these guys for the last two years really have been in a packed environment like that with with COVID and that kind of stuff. So Right, and that's going to be something we're going to have to overcome. Just to recap a bit, Wednesday night, St. John's defeated by Indiana. Final score is 76-74. Julian Champagny led the way for St. John's with 32 points. Steph Smith and Posh Alexander both in double digits as well. For Indiana, it was Trace Jackson Davis, no surprise, leading the way, 18 points. They had four scorers with double digits. And then there was the Indiana fans, and they're uh, really nicely grotesque chanting in front of the uh, the father of Trace Jackson Davis, former girlfriend who is now dating Steph Smith. Nothing like Chang sloppy seconds right in front of the father. Some quality people out there. You got you got to love that Steph Smith was unfazed. In fact, yeah. it actually probably motivated him. He had his best game as, as a Johnny yet. He had 15 points. 16. 16, sorry about that. Five of six from the line, too, when they were chanting. As they yeah. were chanting. In their as faces. They were chanting. So, you know, that's got to feel nice for him. So good for him. And I know we talked about it last week, actually, and Tim made the point that Seth Smith was doing great things. Not good. He was doing good things as a starter, and I was a little you know, hesitant on that, but he proved me wrong, and that's good. I knew it would come. It was just, you know, last week was this, but now this week is a different week. And yeah. he, he really was a very calming presence, and it was important at the beginning of the second half, really, to get us back in that game in Indiana. All right, so just to walk us through a bit, in the first half, as I said in my takeaway, St. John's went down early in the game, down by 12 points at halftime, and then worked their way back, only lost by two points. T- definitely the tale of two halves in this game. St. John's in the first half shot only 33%, 25 from three-point. In the second half, they worked their way up and were able to shoot 43% in the whole game, 51% in the second half, 40% from three, which is good enough to get them back in the game. Obviously, a critical moment in the first half, though, that turned the tides of the game was Montez Mathis being ejected at the 645 mark for an F2. You know, there was a foul on the play. He fouled him as a breakaway. Not an F2. Not even not even really an F1. So but... the play, it, what happens is Mathis is running down as... He threw the, Mathis threw the ball away, mm-hmm. and then the guy was running towards the basket. Mathis was running back towards the basket to block it. And he put his hand up, tried to get his hand on the ball. He got a piece of the ball as he's coming down. He's going one way. The other guy's going kind of perpendicular to him. His arm gets hooked and caught on him, and as he's coming down, his hand comes down, and the kid goes down. There was no malice. There was no intent on that. He was trying to block the shot. It was a breakaway. He got his hand on the ball, and, and it, it happened, whatever. Look, the kid fell hard. That that sucks, and, and that's scary, and people get upset about that. But that doesn't change the foul. The foul is the foul. 
Yeah, am I right? Am I even, wrong? Even by yeah. definition, I mean, there was no contact to the head or neck. Yeah, you look at the F one definition, and I, I there. You can find the play on YouTube. You can find the play, I'm sure, online. If you take a look at it, you read the rules. I, I, I just don't see how it's an F two. I, I don't even think it's an F one. He fouled him for sure, but I, there's no reason he needs to be ejected from the game. I mean, just because it looks bad doesn't mean a thing. You, you can't judge the call on how it looks. Yeah, and it changes. How it, is. it changes the whole complexion of the game from that point forward. I mean, Mathis, he's one of our best players. Yeah, and he's also important for our press. Well, and then all of a sudden, he couldn't play defense. I mean, he also, couldn't he play also defense. had five points already. Yeah, he was shooting well. He, right. he was he was one of the guys at the beginning of the game who was actually pretty composed. And Correct. now you took yeah. that away from Correct. us. Correct. And we went from 20 to 14 all of a sudden. It, it created a 7-0 run in yeah. 30 seconds. They went from down 9 to down 13 in 30 seconds without ever being able to hold the ball. Yeah, that play itself was a four-point play because he got the basket, and it was an F2, so they got two free-throw shots. And, and they then the they bought the ball back. And then they scored again. Yeah. You have to look at it as the foul that was conducted can be deemed extreme in nature or excessive or severe contact during a dead ball, which, let's see, it's not during a dead ball. It was definitely not extreme or severe. So I mean, you're you just making— It happens. I mean— well, speaking of getting hooked, at the 4.30 mark, Omar Stanley gets wrapped around hooked. Nope. No call there. No, actually, no not actually, even no, a regular fall. Imbi- they yeah, called Imbi- the foul on Stanley. Well, they, they also looked at that. They, they looked at they it and went, and said, fantastic yeah. call, guys. Pats on back. I mean, yes. Tim talked about it. The refereeing was a big problem. Another another big key, and, and this kind of gets lost in the shuffle. If you look at it, I think it was like the 13 minute. It was actually in the first seven minutes of the game. Pasha Alexander gets a second foul. That is immeasurably a big deal for us. And in reality, I watched it. I watched it like eight times. He doesn't do anything. He looks at the referees and he's like, what are you talking about? They were going up for a rebound. He jumped up in the air and they foul. And literally everyone's looking around like, on who? And it's on Posh. And the problem with it being on Posh is now he's got two fouls. So he comes back into the game a couple times in the first half because we need him in there. But as we've seen in year in the last year, when Posh has two fouls, he's a different player, especially in the first half, because he doesn't play as aggressive. Because rightfully so, he knows he can't, and then he can't be that dominant force that he is. Guess what happened when the second half started, and all of a sudden he only had two fouls, which is where you need to be. All of a sudden, our press took off. Posh was stealing the ball. He was being pesky. He's being the Posh Alexander. We all know the guy that was a defensive player of the year in the Big East. And guess what? We went on like a 7-0 run. We went back. All of a sudden, it's a four-point game. It's a huge difference. Everyone wants to talk about how, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't blame the refs. And, and that's the smart take, right? The smart take is, no, no, no. It's not about the refs. It's about the players. In basketball, the refs have a huge way to impact the game. They can essentially take a player out of the game without ejecting him. They took Bosh Alexander out of the first half. Or they, they physically took a player yeah. out. Or they and then they also physically, you're right. They also physically took a player they, they out. They so, doubled down. So, listen, St. John's lost the game because they went down by too much and they created too big of a hole, so they kept getting back, but they would only get tied and they would never get over the hump. In That's college true. basketball, if you never get over the hump, you never retake the lead, you're never really back in the game. If you get tied, it's not enough. You have to get over. That's why St. John's lost. However... A major impact on that was the referees. James Breeding, 
Worst referee in college basketball? Yikes. Obviously, in Indiana on Wednesday. Lamar Simpson, typically a good referee. We've actually had him a bunch. He was there as well. And Paul Selleck. Those are the three guys. Blew the call on Mathis. Absolutely blew. You know what's bad, as you talked about before, when the announcers on TV say, yeah, they're going to change this? They'll always bail out the refs. Always. The TV guys are always bail out the refs because you work with them all the time. you got to bail them out. But on Fox, they were saying, nah, there's no way this is a flagrant. This is a common foul. James Breeding said, no shot. I'm going to take him out because that's what he does. Yeah, I mean, you look at the refs were rattled the whole game. They made several bad calls on both sides. Worse on St. John's for most of them, but they were making bad calls throughout, and it looked like they weren't used to having fans yelling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I think, look, we don't want to harp on the referees. As Vincent said, look, there are other reasons why we didn't win that game. It's not only that, but you have to factor that in. It does play We lost by up. two. Yeah, I mean, it does matter. Two free throws. Yeah. Yeah, again, the refs didn't lose the game for St. John's. St. John's lost the game because in critical moments, they made major mistakes. Well, I mean, right after the ejection, Champagne drove down, made the basket, and then they went and was like, oh, blue whistle, foul. They looked at it. We all saw the replay. He got hit right in the back of the head. Yeah, I mean, he totally got hit in the head. So that's a flagrant one. And as they're looking at it, they go, hey, guys, I got an idea. We're really good at this. No foul. Play ball. We got this. Clap around. (laughs) Clap around. We got this. Julian actually went to the line. Like, he was standing at the line waiting for the ball because he was assumed he got fouled. And then he looked at him and went, no foul? They're like, yeah, no, no, no foul. The Indiana player was confused. Everybody was confused. He looked over. He's like, why am I getting the ball? It made no sense. It's like, oh, you guys love us, don't you? Didn't he get poked in the eye? Yeah, he got poked, he, he in, the got poked in the eye. Oh, he also, I didn't see, I didn't even He got poked in the eye. He got hit in the back of the head and then poked in the eye. No Wait, call. We're uh, good. Nick, Play on. Is, is the eye above the shoulder? Yes, it's part of the Ooh, head. Ooh, I didn't know that, I guess. Well, Soriano got hit in the head, 556 mark, too. F, no F1 called there, but just to get away from the refs. There were other things. There were other things that happened. I mean, let's be honest. And we can't be all that upset. We went down by 12 at half, which was a big deficit, but that deficit could be a lot worse. But you can't be anything except excited about how we came out in the second half. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, we came out and we just punched them right in the face. We went on, what, 7-0 run, I think? Took it from 12 to 6. Yeah, 12, to lead from 12 to 6. Once Posh is at full strength, man. 4 mm-hmm. 4 to start the half, a 10-2 run. That's, I mean, you come out firing like that. You gotta love the resiliency. You gotta love the the adjustments they made in halftime. I mean, you gotta you gotta appreciate that. As you said, Vincent, there's we did lose, so that sucks. I hate when we lose; it's the worst thing. But there's are there are good takeaways. I mean, look, that Indiana team is a good team. Um, they're gonna be a tournament team, and we went to their building and had a real bad first half. Got punched in the mouth, and we came away. We had a chance to win the game with the last possession. We're a good team. I mean, we are a good team. We we were a three man army going into that uh, second half. But well, we we were a three man army basically the whole game. Champagne had thirty two, Steph Smith sixteen. Seven of the first twelve points in the second half coming from Steph Smith, 
Yeah. Posh Alexander, 10 points. Those are the only three players with double digits. Yeah, but you look at the second half, Posh, 8 points. Champ, 22. Right. Steph Smith, 13. Yeah. Those are the three guys in the second half who came to life and brought our team with it. I mean, Champagny, Champagny, Champagny. He can't say enough. I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He was everything we could have asked him to be in 32 points. And people who haven't seen him, you know, they may have not watched us last year or whatever, you know, around the country. Um, now they see him. I mean, like, look at that performance. It, it was a big-time stage, and he showed out. Let's let's not forget about Pinzone. I mean, Pinzone did yeah. really, really well, especially in the second half, and when he had to come in after Mathis went out. Big-time energy. Abs- defensively, he was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. After after the half court, up until the three-point, he, like, he was like a junkyard dog. He actually reminded me a lot of Posh, which was awesome to see. If That's a great Them two and Steph Smith, if we could have all of them playing, like – running around like like dogs, we could be so incredibly... If only he could hand off the ball like Posh. Julian gets a cleaner hand on that last shot. Maybe he gets a shot, makes the three. And we're talking about how great it was to go to Bloomington yeah. and win the game. That's, but yeah, it's... he'll get there. He's a freshman. He's Spe- a freshman. Speaking First of big-time environment. He got nervous. He got nervous, and he got too close to Julian to yeah. hand the ball yeah, off. He, he should have done a hand Good off. defense by Indiana to work him in there. And it, it didn't work out, but... A bright spot, certainly in the in the game in the loss. One thing that's really interesting looking at that last play, Pinzone kicks himself out and is open for three, and there's time to pass it. Pinzone just nailed the three. Now I know we all want Champagne shooting it, but yeah, does Champagne pull LeBron and just pass it to the side? You're right, but the only problem with yeah, that is also Pinzone's when the ball gets kicked around, game. Champagne yeah. just got it back and. He would didn't even, he would couldn't even see where the time was. Probably he was looking for the ball on the ground. He looked up. He's like, I gotta take a shot. I gotta at least get a shot off. So he takes a shot. I, I get it. Secondarily, you know, what Pinzone also could have done crashed the boards when the shot went up. Yeah, because they did get the rebound after, and time ran out. Yep. I looked when they got the rebound. They possessed the rebound with point five seconds left. That means it was tipping around. They could have tipped it off the right. rim with. Point five seconds. I, I am a bit confused why Posh Alexander wasn't bringing the ball up the court at the end of the game. I, I think it's because they wanted a bigger body to do that and also give the opportunity that if Champ was doubled, Posh could grab it and drive it. I think it. it's a mistake. So, Flat out, I think it's a mistake. I mean, hindsight, it's definitely a mistake. But Not, not even hindsight. At the time, I thought it was a mistake. He, he's your point guard. Posh Alexander is the point guard. He's the leader of our team. You give him the ball, you have him bring it up because he's got the mind to realize, okay, Julian's actually not an option. So now I got to go make something else happen, and he could do that. Had they double teamed Julian Champagne and Pinzone was bringing the ball up, Pinzone wouldn't have known where to go. True. No, and he shouldn't. He's a freshman, he's yeah. not there yet. But Pasha Alexander is. There are times where St. John's doesn't trust its biggest guys, and I don't understand it, and I think that happened a little bit on Wednesday night. So I'll, I'll say this. I don't disagree with you. Posh absolutely should have brought the ball up, 100%. But at the beginning of the FDU game, Tariq Turner, St. John's legend, St. John's great announcer, Tariq Turner, um, said that Posh in the Indiana game hurt his leg. So I don't know if that was potentially after that. I mean, It, it was, was before. Well, it was I mean, actually yeah, before. No, no, I, I, so the leg well, yeah, had to. Because you saw where he, he – it happened earlier on. He At one point he came up a little slow. And then he, he sat out for a while, partly because of the fouls, but also because the trainer went right over to him when he sat down. It was before that moment. 
Okay. That's a, that is an important point. It is an important point, though. If if they are concerned about him being hurt, then then it makes sense. That's why apparently in the FDU game, not apparently, we're going to get to the FDU game in a minute, but Posh was playing off the ball a lot. He wasn't bringing up the ball a lot because of the leg. So another thing we I want to talk about also is our defense down the stretch. I mean, we pushed them. We tied it. Every time we tied it, they answered. We would give up a 7-0 run. We would then work our way back, and then we give up a 7-0 run. It was great that we got back. We got to figure out how to not let them take it right back from us. We got to be able to hold them there, get a stop there. We got we got to you know we got to do that, and hopefully we'll grow in that and we'll be better at that. But right, you know, in Wednesday night it was it was a problem. Yeah, they. I mean, they tore apart our our full court press. So our defense as a whole this season has been bad. I mean, it has looked bad. Bad in in games where it shouldn't have looked bad, it's looked bad, and and it's not. Listen, Mississippi Valley State, we won by, we won by fifty eight points, but we gave up way too many points, and we saw that again on Saturday against FDU. FDU is a team lowest scoring team in college basketball up until Saturday. They came in, they had not scored over fifty points in a game. We gave up seventy four to them. Yeah, that's not and good. the Indiana game, obviously, that's a better team. So it was more prevalent that our I thought that our defense was not up to standard. But the FDU game kind of confirmed it for me that we really need to work on something. Last year, we would never have given up seventy four points to FDU. Yeah. This year, maybe it's because we're new. Maybe it's because we're not. Maybe Posh is a little hurt. Maybe that hurt us a lot, but. We need to get our defense in shape in these next weeks if we want to be able to play at the level we should be playing at in the Big East. Let's not forget, no pin zone and no Coburn in this FDU game either. So we were a little short-staffed. Yeah. But also, in terms of you know the defense, last year at the beginning of the year, if you remember correctly, I believe we also gave up high point totals to low-end teams. As the team gelled and got ready, I mean, didn't we give up like a hundred points to UMass in the, or whoever we played in that tournament last year? I'm pretty sure we did. We get I forget the numbers, but we we gave maybe up a lot. Of, maybe it's just growing. I think maybe it's, it's the I think way they gotta, it's Mike about Anderson does it, right? Yeah. More possessions, more possessions, but also, and you're right, and then also, you know, getting your right to the spacing, right? They've only played together for at that point two games, now three, now four after the FDU, but like. It does take a little time. I mean, we do play that mesh kind of zone defense, so they got to be able to, you know, cover each other's zones. Yeah, hopefully we f- we figure it out a bit. And, and maybe, that, you know what, that is what out-of-conference play is for. So yeah. hopefully they're just working through things, trying different schemes and seeing what happens. Let me recap the Failure Dickinson game real quick. 87-74 victory for St. John's. All five starters scoring double digits with Julian Champagny and Posh Alexander leading the way with 17 points apiece, and Devin Dunn leading the way for Fairleigh Dickinson with 24. We just, yeah, we just look sloppy in this game. I mean, frankly, we, we beat them because we're just a better team than them. We were sloppy. They were as sloppy, but that's who they are. They're the, up until this game, they're the least scoring team in the NCAA. And they and we gave up seventy four. And we gave him seventy four. <laughs> <laughs> like it, we, just, it was a sloppy game. We fifteen turnovers. Fifteen turnovers, and I think like twenty points off of those fifteen turnovers. They though. shot fifty percent from three point land. 
look, I think that it was a letdown game. You know, the Indiana game was emotional. It was it was intense. We lost. We wanted to win, obviously. And I think, look, if you're talking about the FDU game, we should honestly give it as much thought and effort as the team did and just move past it. We can't forget. We won by double digits. We beat a team we were supposed to beat. Yeah, it wasn't the game we wanted to see. But this is a Mike Anderson team. We don't blow the games against the little schools. That's a good point. That's a very good no, point. No, but who would we be if not St. John's fans if we didn't immediately go to the negative? Or obsessed. Where is the fun in enjoying your victory <laughs> when instead you can sit here and say, I can't believe we only beat Fairleigh Dickinson by 13 we points? We didn't even cover. Actually, our first non-cover of the year. We were 3-0 and going in. We, we even covered the four-point spread against Indiana. We did. But FDU, 32. Listen, that was an outrageous Seen Hall beat him by, I think, 40. I mean, let's hope that's not a comparison between us. Hopefully not. Well, I let, think it was let, a different let's day. Let's they didn't make it off the bus against Drexel. So. <laughs> <laughs> Julian couldn't buy a basket in this game. Yeah, he FDU definitely, game. yeah. Well, he scored 32 on Wednesday. He got, used up his points for the week. Well, At least gotta, he used them in the right game. You gotta love. Yeah, let's be saying, thankful. You gotta love that saying. All right, Julian couldn't buy a basket. What was his stat line again? Oh, that'd be a points. seventeen and ten. Oh, okay, yeah, he had a double double. A quiet seventeen. A, That's a true. Julian Champagne seventeen. That's a it. model of consistency. A DJ Candy seventeen. That's, That's true. That's what that DJ was. DJ Kennedy seventeen is good. Yo, I will. I will much? say. Oh, wow. you go. You go. I Come was. on, boys, work it out. <laughs> I did. <laughs> nice. Nick, on to you. All right. <laughs> One thing that I noticed that was that consistently Soriano and Omar Stanley were not boxing out on offense when they were trying to get offensive rebounds, or each, actually on defense also. There was a lot of times where they got offensive rebounds, and you can see Soriano is just like watching the ball come off the rim and didn't put a you know a, a body to a man, and he was just watching. And then Stanley did it a couple times when he was in too. It's a little worrisome seeing it against FDU. We first, only of all, first of all, don't talk about our boy Omar Stanley like that ever again. That's Keep my it. boy. No, Julia Stanley is your guy. We talked about this last time. All the bigs are my boys. All right. All right we only out-rebound him 36-31, to 31, so you, that is something to be concerned about. Nick is correct. Craig, minus points for your trying to no. defend Omar Stanley. I thought Omar Stanley who actually, finished the game in FDU with zero points. He fouled out. He used his fouls correctly. I think I think he actually gave, to be honest, I think he actually gave good effort. That's not even a joke. I think I think he played good defense. Secondarily, I think it was an uneven cons- inconsistent effort level throughout the whole game. I mean, we we knew we were better than FDU. We knew we were gonna win. So we would, you know, put our foot on the gas, get up by twenty one take our foot off the gas, all of a sudden let him hang around. And, you know, look, against FDU, that's fine. I don't know that at all. Translate to other teams. If it does, that could be a problem. But in this game, we should probably just move on. We just all have, you know, as Vincent said, flashbacks to St. John's dropping bad games. Uh, so when it gets close, we get scared. And when, you know, the thing about playing small teams, are, you know, aren't expected to win is if you give them that little bit of daylight, sometimes they get confident and they think they can win the game. And the goal is to not let them think they can ever win the game because they shouldn't. You know, that's not why they're it's not really why they're on their schedule, frankly, for us. Yeah, they're cupcakes for us. But did we mention what happened to Pinzone? 
in practice. No, no we didn't actually. No, we we did talked not. about Pinzon, but we didn't talk about. We talked about him being for, absent from the game, yeah. but didn't mention why. Well, yeah. So he ended up fracturing his finger. So Pinzon comes out, great game for us, gets good playing time, breaks his finger. Of course. We're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice. Looks like the dark cloud at St. John's to me, if I've ever seen one. All right, easy. What's, easy. what's good is it's not on his uh, shooting hand. It's on his le- it's his left ring finger. Oh, that's so good. not yeah. his shooting hand, which is good. And is then good. Colburn was sick. Not down, not down with the sickness, but just sick. <laughs> Non-COVID related, specifically. So yeah. he, he, my hope is it's just a cold. I, he'll, be, he'll be ready for Tuesday, they said. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Now we got to hope one more thing, though, because... With all the times with basketball and college and everybody being together, if it's a cold, could run through the entire team. Yeah, let's hope. That would be bad. That, let's put Julian Champagne, Posh Alexander in a bubble. Keep them as far away from Coburn as humanly possible. I would yeah. also like to apologize to Coburn. We said he was the shooter we've been looking for, and literally every time we've ever said that, we've doomed them. We've doomed that person to bad three-point shooting the rest of the year. So we apologize in advance to Tariq Coburn for jinxing him after the first week. Hopefully, please, we take it back. Go back to doing what you were doing. His 0 for 3 showing in Indiana points towards us having done it again. Yeah. I mean, just in case he's holding the knife uh, while I'm out, I really don't want him angry at me saying, (laughs) you ruined the end of my career at St. John's. Now I'm going to cut you. As a doctor. Tim. As a doctor. Good point was, to make. It wasn't a like doctor. a bar fight. Just, I didn't just know so what know. the heck Tim was talking about. I was like, the, the man's a medical student. I know. I mean, I know that, but that's not the way you exactly presented it. I, I thought you were in a bar fight I, with Tariq Coburn. I'm wow. like, oh my God. You guys are really say, talking right, right. bad about Tariq Coburn. I know he's a medical student. I expect him as a surgeon. Come on, guys. You got to pay attention a little more here. He is a medical student. Like, I, Get you my alligator. I I, I I thought you were just lining up weird, you know? You could have said, well, I hope when he's my doctor, he doesn't look at me and go, hey, aren't you the guy who ruined my basketball career? Not not, when I walk out and he's holding the knife to me. That's that's a whole different world. I mean, do you not remember me talking about Coburn's Corner and all the medical students cheering him on? There's a reason the medical students are cheering him on. And that was at least a week ago. I I got nothing for you. Hey, I wish him great success in his doctor career. But I just want to perform right now while he's at St. John's. That's all I care about right now. Sing some threes. Fair. All right, so looking ahead, it's feast week in college basketball. Best week of the year. Craig is not even close. I don't know why you even compare these weeks. The best day of college basketball in the whole year is the 24 hours. 24 hours of straight basketball so you can watch 3 a.m. Hawaii games. Who doesn't love a 3 a.m. Hawaii right, game? Fair, fair. Actually, you're both wrong because championship week is the best week in college basketball. You get to watch basketball from the Friday through the Sunday before the tournament with every game being a playoff game. Are you guys kidding me? The first week of the NCAA tournament, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four TVs going? That, uh, yeah, well, nothing's sure. better than no, that. I week. mean, first of all, those are the, the high holy days. Those are the first two days of the NCAA tournament, the most important days of the year, no doubt. Uh, but in terms of the week, I actually I take back my feast week statement uh, because Vincent is actually correct. The championship week, you got small conferences, which I love. It's it's the best week completely. Week, Listen, week, week. The, that's what I'm talking about. The Thursday and Friday of the tournament, the first week of the tournament, 
are the best. First weekend. Saturday too. No. No, actually Thursday and Friday. Friday. Oh, no, Thursday and Friday are the first week of the tournament. 32 games. Are the best. 32 games. You get the small schools playing the big schools. And you have the reason to set up for television. Absolutely. But you also get the first four, too, on Tuesday. It's not the same. It's, 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 you get your feet wet it's, a little bit. Look, it's fun, but it's, 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 it's not Thursday and Friday. I, Thursday think, and Friday. I think the Thursday and Friday make up for not having the Monday and Wednesday. Actually, no, you do have Wednesdays. Tuesday, oh no. Tuesday, Wednesday. It's, it's Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, so you're just Wednesday. missing one day. Yeah. But yeah. those, no. No, but no. I, I believe, I agree with Vincent. Championship the week high. is the best week. The Thursday week. and Friday tournament are the two best days in all of sports, but Absolutely. they don't compose a week. So. Although, we do need to circle back to Tim's point about the 24-hour of uh, marathon of college basketball, because that was not the best day, because let's talk about the tournament, but regular season-wise, like you said, watching a Hawaii tip at 4 a.m., come on, couldn't beat Being that. able to watch a 4 a.m. tip, that's spectacular. Oh, I mean, they had a mo- I think Mammoth tipped at like 6 a.m. That's great. I mean, I, I love it. Take the day off of work. Just delightful. Just delightful. Absolutely. No, nothing like placing a uh, bet on the Hawaii game and then going, <laughs> yeah, I really need to sleep before I go to work. <laughs> when I wake up, hey, look, I got money. <laughs> All right, so looking ahead to St. John's Feast Week, we better be feasting. We got two teams that have no right beating us. We're home against St. Francis on Tuesday and home against NJIT on Saturday. Both teams that, with all due respect to them, we should absolutely blow away. Yeah, I mean, if we're not 5-1 by the end of this week, going into the Kansas week, I mean... It's it would be a major major disappointment. We should be feasting. We absolutely should be feasting. Yeah, it should easily be twenty point wins both ways around. It shouldn't be close by I would say the five man mark into the first half. We should at least have gain close to a double digit lead and just gas pedal all the way through. Yeah, yeah like, we thought that against FDU and it didn't come to fruition. So maybe we won't. Yeah, but I mean, I think you just gotta look if we like we said before, you know. Put on the gas early, take them out of their game, let them think there's no shot they can win, and then, you know, Saint don't Francis, give them any hope. St. Francis comes in 0-3, loss at Wisconsin, home home against St. Thomas of Minnesota, and at Penn State. Wait, there's a St. Thomas in Minnesota. They Not only that, they beat St. Francis of Brooklyn, and they flew all the way to Brooklyn to win the game. By 18. Are they D1? Didn't they used to be D two or three, Saint Thomas? I don't know. Idea. Minnesota. I, I think so. Uh, let me look at it. No, up. you're thinking of Saint Thomas Aquinas, who we oh, played in an exhibition no. game oh, yeah. two, three years ago, and beat us. Nick, why don't you give us one guy to look out for? So one guy to watch out for during this game is Patrick Emelian. Um, he's number twenty two. He's a forward, six seven, two ten. He's probably going to be going against Julian Champagny, so that's a definitely a matchup to watch out for. On the season, he leads a team with 13 points, and he shoots about 48.6 from the field. So St. Francis comes in 0-3, looking like an easy game Tuesday night. That game, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 2. Going ahead to Saturday, we'll be home again against NJIT. NJIT team, at least they have a win on their record, 1-2 heading into the game. They lost to Merrimack to start the season. They then won at Lehigh, and then they lost at Rutgers. Their game against Wagner was postponed. Nick, was it the bus again? Not this time. All right. So, oh, it was COVID what, this time. 
Or was it an was engineering it? I test? I think it was COVID. I'm pretty sure it was just an engineering test. They, they had to stop the game for it. Whatever reason that game was postponed, they'll actually play Fairly Dickinson next. Uh, next, and then come play us in Carnesecca. Craig, who's one guy to look out for? One guy to definitely look out for is Dylan O'Hearn. He's the shooting guard. He's he's six four, so he's pretty big for a guard. He's number two. He's from California. He averages seventeen point seven points a game, and he shoots forty seven point four percent from three, which is obviously very good. So we're gonna have to watch out for that. You know, we did give up some some open three pointers, and that's not something we want to do here against NJIT. So kind of avoid the uh, Dunn situation again. Yeah, I mean we don't want that to happen again. Seems like. Probably Coburn if he's back, maybe covering him. Yeah, or him or Smith, or maybe Montez Mathis. Yeah, it'd be great to have Mathis playing, you know, if the refs don't screw him. <laughs> All right, well, that game, Saturday, 4 p.m. on FS2. Obviously, that's after Thanksgiving, guys, so happy Thanksgiving to you. You guys are looking forward to it? Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite meal. I, I love overeating so much and then trying to stay awake during the football games. Big Thanksgiving guy. Real thankful. I love I'm thankful for all of our listeners. Thankful specifically to our international listeners. We got a listener in Ireland and a listener in Belgium. So shout out to them for bringing us across the pond. Also thankful for Jeff Goodman. Had him on the line again, unfortunately. Looks like we ran out of time, so we'll have to get him in next week. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, I'm Vincent. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you next week. Keep chasing.